Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode. I'm going to stop counting them at this point. (laughs) You're like, I can read what episode it is off of the interface. Fair enough. This is uh, the next episode of the Unsouthern podcast, based off of the blog of the same name, which you can find at unsouthern.com. Please support my blog. The theme of my third entry in my blog post, which was originally published back on February 26th, was the way that we treat animals. The name of the blog post was Animals Are People Too. So this is one of those posts, and I hope to have many more like this, one of those posts that's open-ended in nature. I want to learn more. I want to get a better understanding. I know how I feel about the animals in my life, and there are more. I have more than the average number of animals in my life because of my various domestic situations. Um, and for me, those animals are part of my family. I've even made one of them my production assistant, Mr. Amir, who's been taking so far been taking the uh the the past two uh episodes off but he may need to be a more active participant this time because in some ways the episode is about him and his picture is on it so he's gonna have to pull his weight on this one at any rate as you can see i love uh making my animals into people and treating them just like they're little humans although I know that they're not entirely but they are more so than many people would like to admit so figuring that all out how can I justify humanizing my animals the animals that are in my life and keep a a, like a sane and reasonable perspective on all the other animals out there in the world and understanding just how biology and nature work and understanding how the food chain works like how can i how can i make all of that sort of a coherent um, world view when it comes to the other living creatures that we share the planet with something i'm you know i'm still exploring particularly in relation to my uh, dietary habits. Uh, This isn't something I um, covered in this blog post. I think it would be a very good topic and I probably need to to write this down as a a future focus of a a blog post. Um, But I've struggled with the idea of um, eating meat in the first place. And for one summer back when I was in college I actually became vegan for the entire summer the only exception that I would make and this is because I was addicted to pop tarts at the time and pop tarts have dairy well the chocolate fudge pop tarts which were the ones I was addicted to have have a dairy whey in them so I had a little bit of dairy from the um from from the whey in the pop tarts and other than that, though, I was I was completely vegan all all summer long, and it was it was a challenge, and it, it took all of my focus. You know, I I was going to work every day. Luckily, I had gotten a job at Subway, where it's relatively easy to um, eat uh, in a in a vegan way because there's tons of tons of uh, 
vegan, you know, vegetable-based options. You know, I would make myself a, um, just a, a veggie sub every day, or a really hefty one with lots and lots of lettuce on it. Uh, and I didn't have anything else really to focus on, so I could obsess about everything that I put in my mouth. But after that summer, it was, it was so exhausting, and as soon as I got back to school that fall, it, it quickly fell by the wayside. And I haven't really looked back from that. But it is something that I, I do stop and consider from time to time. After years of swearing off uh, meat substitutes because they just, you know, tasted bad. And I'm just like, I'd just rather eat a salad than pretend like I'm eating a burger when it's really a bunch of soybeans. But the uh, technology has gotten much, much better. And I'm actually a big fan of of the uh, Beyond Meat and Impossible um, products. And, 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 I, and maybe at some point in the future, I can get back on that bandwagon. But anyway, that's, that's something in particular that I have um, turned over in my mind a lot when it relates to, as it relates to animal welfare and my feelings towards animals. Um, but as, as of this podcast, I am very much a meat eater. And that, you know, vegetarianism is not something I addressed explicitly in, in this, in this blog post, but it's something, it's definitely a, a, a direction I could, I could take the conversation in when I explore it further. Uh, my, my point is that I have a lot of unresolved questions and a lot of unresolved issues around how I feel about animals. Without further ado, let's get into the actual blog post. And as I said, it was called Animals Are People Too. And if you go to the, the blog on unsouthern.com, you'll see a picture of me snuggled up with my cat and production assistant, Mr. Amir. He, at the moment, just for your, just so you can imagine it, as I'm broadcasting this from my condo, and he, he is my companion here in the condo where I spend my days doing my, doing my day job. And so I'm, I'm here a lot during the week. Uh, he is currently on the floor behind me, sprawled out, asleep. I mean, he's a cat. What are the odds? At any rate, hopefully he'll, he'll pipe up in a little bit and have, have some more to contribute. But for right now, let's get into the blog post. Um, for the first several posts, I got in the habit of using quotes from my favorite TV series, The Golden Girls. I may revisit that at some point, but uh, this this past week of of post on Unsouthern, I've sort of done away with that. I figure it was it was a fun thing to do for for a little bit, but I don't want to feel like I have to dig up some quote, no matter whether it's relevant or, you know, I'm not, I wasn't going to exhaust myself. They just sort of presented themselves for the first several for the first several posts. So, so so far, uh, up to this point on my third blog post on the 26th of February. There were, uh, my streak was um, unbroken. And so once again, I'll start off with the Golden Girls quote. I want to take baby's temperature, although I'm not sure what the normal temperature is for a pig. I know a ham turns out nicely at 325. That's Rose Nyland and Sophia Petrillo discussing their new porcine charge on the Golden Girls. And the name of the, name of the pig was Baby. It was a pretty ridiculous episode, and Dorothy Spornak had no problems proclaiming how ridiculous it was, like, several times throughout the episode. It was, it, yeah, 
talk about your zany 80s sitcom. That's probably the one of the archetypal episodes <laughs> of 80s sitcom zaniness. The, the girls decide to live with a pig for $100,000. Anyway, but I, I did think that, that that sort of exchange highlighted the juxtaposition of how we treat pets and how we treat all other animals as either food or in some way in service to people or otherwise they belong outside or out in the wild and don't deserve this overly human treatment. One of my best friends grew up in Carroll County, Georgia. Only a short drive from Atlanta, it's a world away. The dynamic there is not unlike that of my childhood homes in and around Macon County, Tennessee. Geographical proximity to a city is no guarantee that you will experience anything resembling urbanity. Nashville was next door to me as a kid, but it wasn't until I moved there that I knew what it was, what it was like to live, what it was to live in a city. My friend, the one who's from Carroll County, uh, is upwardly mobile and loves city life, yet he dragged his heels in the dirt of his hometown when he moved to Atlanta. I, by contrast, floated in air to Nashville and then to Atlanta like a cartoon character transported by appetizing smells. In other words, I didn't drag my heels. <laughs> There's no remnant on my feet of, uh, of that. Oh, and look, our production assistant is here, right on cue. Hey there. So, uh, Mr. Amir will be joining in as, as he sees fit during the course of this, of the rest of this podcast. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Amir. How are you? That's good to hear. Back to the blog. One way that you can tell the difference between my friend and me is when he comes over to visit me. The various animals of the house greet him, and he receives them with varying degrees of pleasant disdain. Don't misunderstand, he likes seeing them. Still, I'm reminded of a monarch deigning to meet his subjects. Meantime, my partner and I are having full-on conversations with the same animals, paying attention to their reactions, apologizing and bargaining and validating them like we would human children. Our animals are named, in no particular order, no particular order, Julian, Neve, Aries, Boris, Natasha, Evander, Ginger, Ava, and Jaja. I told you we had a lot of animals. Now, if my friend were to somehow, for any reason, inherit all those animals from us, I'm certain they would be summarily renamed Bido, Girl. Rex, Spot, Pretty, Fluffy, Big Girl, Pretty Bird, and Polly. And they live in a barn. I'm painting a picture here. My friend thinks that animals, yeah. My friend grew up on a farm, and to him, animals are animals. There were no illusions about their place in the world, beneath, and what rights they had. None. You had your good times with them, and then they were gone, either from natural causes or because they were, uh, you know, farmed. My partner and I have succumbed to the spell of indoor animals who demand respect and a voice in how the household is run. It's hard to argue with them. There's no logic more compelling 
than the pitiful mew of a hungry cat. You want to demonstrate that for us, Mr. Amir? That's it. Very good. The South, by default, is defined as rural, so the idea of relegating animals to an inferior status is associated with more stereotypical ideas of what Southerners are. Suffice it to say that Southern hospitality is not traditionally extended to its four-legged citizens. This more traditional view, of course, is correct in a way that our faux egalitarian household is not. We exert absolute control over the living conditions of Boris and his fellow roommates. His human-sounding name will not allow him to emancipate himself or sneak out and get a driver's license. We buy beef from the supermarket from a cow who could have worn an ear tag with the name Queen Elizabeth and her royal title would not have saved her. But it feels, makes us feel better to treat them that way. They are like smaller, less complicated versions of ourselves. They are kids who will never grow up. There's even a school of thought that modern pet ownership, viewed in a broader historical context, is an abusive fad that forces animals into a juvenile dependence on humans. That's a really fascinating uh, viewpoint. And for those of us who are pet, pet lovers, um, it's a hard pill to swallow to sort of have our, have our practices scrutinized in that way. But I, I did read a very, um, there was a specific article I read around a month or so ago that really broke it down and, 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 and it took a long, sort of a, a long view perspective on pet ownership. I don't know that I agreed with all the points, but the gist of the piece was well received on my part. You know, we don't really know what any animal wants. They can act happy, but when we make all the rules and provide them with all the food, um, maybe they just have the animal version of Stockholm Syndrome. They decide that they, they're, they're to some degree maybe programmed by their instincts to defer to us because we're taking care of their needs. But on us, you know, to the extent that they do have their own set of wants and needs outside of survival instincts, maybe they do feel confined, you know, Who, who's to say? Um, it, it's, it's, really, it's a really fascinating line of thought that even though our pets, you know, love us and, and like, appear to like being with us for the most part, um, that perhaps they would be happier and better, better, better served by being let go and placed out into the wild. And as I say this, my cat, of course, is lounging on the table where I'm recording the podcast, and I'm trying to imagine him out in the wild, and I'm having a difficult time with that. But that's part of the, you know, the, the alleged abuse, if you, if you buy into that, that paradigm of, of, uh, of animal treatment, that we sort of remove their ability to even cope in the wild. We make them dependent on us uh, because they don't get the experiences that they need in survival, um, and with Amir, um, I, he actually did live outside for a while, but I know that the average lifespan of a, of an outdoor cat is somewhere along the lines of three years. Whereas a cat that's indoor with people and fed and protected will live to be, you know, at least 10 years old and even up to 20 and in some cases 25 and 30 years old. So 
for me, I opt for the longer life of the cat. But let me not step on my own feet and get ahead of myself in this blog. So, yes, I, yeah, actually, I, I like I, I totally blabbed the next part of the blog that I hadn't read yet. So you're gonna have to bear with me as I backtrack a little bit. This past year, I had to deal firsthand with the implications of this negative side of keeping pets. My cat, Amir, the handsome one in the pic above on the blog on southern.com, please support my blog, now lives in a condo that I bought as the second residence and workspace where I'm recording from right now. We kept him and his siblings in our basement when their mom took refuge to birth them three winters ago. So he's about three years old. Once we had them fixed, they were, were released outside but stayed close by. Now, Amir, this guy, was always especially attached to us. Taking up part-time residence on our porch, he cuddled and headbutted his way into our laps and our hearts. Unfortunately, there is a lot of risk in introducing a new animal into a crowded household, so we could not take him back into our house. However, when the condo deal closed, and that was just about exactly a year ago now, uh, I was confronted with a dilemma. Do I protect this special kitty from the elements, the vehicles, and the mean animals of the neighborhood by catnapping him and taking him to the condo where he can have shelter, access to food, safety, and security? Or do I let him roam and be free, enjoying the endless activities of the outdoors? It is impossible to make such a decision without self-interest. I decided I could not bear the day when he just didn't show up. Given the life of an outdoor cat, this would almost surely happen within a couple of years. I needed more time with him, and I thought if he could, if he could understand, he would want more time. Uh, it was awful, and it's crazy because he did, because Amir is like right here, literally right in front of me. Um, for all the other blog posts, he sort of stayed away. He seems to have this weird sixth sense of when he's needed in a situation <laughs> and so it's great that he's at, he's right here while I'm talking about him but um yeah it was not a fun day last June was it Amir yeah he's I think he's asleep again it was awful watching him struggle to escape the cat carrier we forced him into last June he was terrified I and I didn't I did not take that decision lightly and as much as I enjoy his company here in the condo, I wonder if he's happy. The past eight months with him, and at this point, it's, you know, that was when I wrote this uh, blog post, so now it's been nine months, almost. The past nine months with him have been magical for me, and I, ho I hope my high-minded, city-fied humanization of him did not inadvertently make him bored or miserable. There are times when it seems like he's just he's trying to manufacture things for himself to do because this is a, a fairly small living space of about 400 square feet and he doesn't leave it. And so I wonder, does he find enough to keep him occupied? Is he okay, you know, doing his, 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 his rounds with his little kitty crazies when he runs around the unit, when he crawls under the... the, the the, the space where the baseboard should be in the kitchen, which needs a total renovation. Like, does he find uh, all the nooks and crannies, he, crannies that he needs? Does he find enough interest looking outside the window from the 10th floor of a condo building? I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard to say. I, you know, I like to think that he's happy and everyone 
um, that has read the blog post has tried to assure me that he's 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 a happy happy kitty. But you know, you you don't ever really know. Right now, he seems a little little bored if relaxed, and I do find that you know he seems to get irritable with me for not giving him enough entertainment. So I could probably do better on that front. So as I've made reference to throughout the course of this, uh, of this episode, um, this isn't really, this is an open-ended issue. This isn't something that I, that I feel like I can, I can sum up in, with, a, with a tidy uh, aphorism or bring it back to, you know, something that I, some point that I made in the beginning. There's not really a tidy solution to this. Um, as I wrote in the blog post, usually my habit is to close the post with a conclusion, a takeaway, or a lesson learned. Not so here. What is the correct perspective to keep on animals, even the ones we know and love personally? It is an open question for me. I will also ask Amir after I read the post to him. And as a listener of the podcast, you have actually heard me read the post to him live for the first time. So I don't know that he was paying attention, but uh, when he wakes up, I will ask him um, how he feels about animals being allowed to roam free versus being kept in restricted condo spaces and and such. So, um, there were a couple of comments on this vlog, and like I said, um, one is to say that he is very lucky, and I appreciate that, Lucinda, and the other from another one of my friends is, uh, yeah, let us know what he says. Let us know Amir's response, and I certainly will do that, Warren. Um... Yeah, I certainly will tell you what he says because I'm not deluded at all. I can actually translate his looks and his tail flicks and his meows into human words, and I will be sure and transcribe that and provide his response in short order. So yeah, it's it's you know it's it's a complicated issue, and I think there's more to explore there. And it's something that I, I think of as being related to the topic of Southern identity because. As I mentioned in the blog post, the stereotypical, and to some degree, I think it's a it's a fair or at least based in truth stereotype, is that Southerners um, tend to be more pragmatic in their relationships with their animals. That's why my friend from Carroll County, I tend to think of as more more Southern, more country, if you will, than I am, because he watches us interact with the, with the animals in our house and he it's just he, it's like he's stunned like it never fails to stun him how how we treat these animals he even seems it's even hard for him to form his to, to form the words to say their names because we give them human names but for me I think it's you know I to me, like I've even gone one step further with, with, the, with the animals' names. A lot of times I will add a, a mister or a miss to the front of their names. And maybe that's just a function of me getting older and I guess more out of my mind. Uh, sorry, that was ageist, wasn't it? Um, 
there's nothing about aging that necessarily makes one lose one's mind, but sometimes, sometimes the faculties can go, it is true, but maybe I'm becoming more, more folksy in that way in my, in, in my late, in my early middle age, if y'all can believe that early middle age, does that sound okay? Okay. Um, maybe it's just that, well, with Mr. Amir, his name is a riff on, and his name was sort of already Amir. My partner had named him that, but I was sort of iffy about it. But right around the time that I brought him into the condo last summer, I was binge watching Will and Grace, and they there was a recurring character who lived in the building whose name was Miss, Mr. Zamir. And Will and Grace would always, you know, and it was really, it was really just a couple of episodes actually, but it was seemed like they really, some, somehow they, they, they found it as, they, they seemed to treat it as a really, as, as, as a, a riffing point where he would say something and they would try to sort of talk him down and they would call him out and they would say, Mr. Zamir, if you've watched Will and Grace, you know. So I thought, as a funny riff on that, I would make Amir's official name, his his legal name, if you will, Mr. Amir, in honor of Mr. Zamir. At any rate, um, I do add, I don't have any such story or excuse for why I would add Mr. or Miss to the front of an animal's name, but I do that with some of the others. And the reason I do is, well, there's a couple of things going on. Number one, I'm not right in the head, dot com. And number two, um, I think that it helps. It really helps. Words matter. And it really helps to... And I'm trying to find the right way to express this. It really helps to to create the sort of respect that you want to have with someone, whether it's another person or whether it's with an animal. You want sometimes going through the motions of, of, or the formality of using a title helps engender that respect. And too often, you know, even though we really like humanizing our animals, sometimes you get in, you get, you get bossy. You're like, you don't, you're, you're paying attention to what you want, what your needs are, what your household rules are, and you're not paying attention to what their needs are. And to me, like giving them human sounding names and even attaching a Mr. or Miss on front of it on the front of it really sort of reinforces that there is give and take even with an animal. Now, it will never be okay for one of our animals to get up on the counter uh, where we prepare food, but we but instead of thinking, "Oh, this is just a bad animal and I'm going to scold this animal like it doesn't have any sense." Maybe the idea is you firmly say you get down and I will give you some food. I apologize. I forgot to give you your, your food that you normally have around this time. So, you know, I just think words matter and that can sort of reinforce that, that level of, that level of respect and everything and every, every, every animal and person deserves a certain level of respect, especially if you're in a household where you're interacting with them as other person, as, as, as a different, um, personality in the household I mean and and in that sense I think for me the answer is pretty clear-cut if you are interacting with a farm animal as a unit of productivity then maybe it makes sense to not give them a name or not give them a human name 
but to the extent that the value that you get from from your interaction with them is is based on emotion and based on an individual relationship that you have with that animal then i think it makes it it really reinforces that to have a um to have a name that's quote unquote human or to have a title associated with it just so you don't get you know pardon the 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 animal figure of speech but so that you don't get on your high horse with it and feel like you dominate and rule these animals just because you essentially got put them in this situation where they're where they're dependent on you for their well-being at any rate so you know that that's that's a little more development of of the questions i posed in my blog but it does it's definitely not the last word on it i, I hope to have um, other discussions about this both uh, with myself on the blog and hopefully with with some of you as you respond and share your experiences um, with the animals in your lives as well so I appreciate you guys tuning in uh, I'm, tr- I'm furiously trying to catch up with the with the, the blog output and get current on the podcast as well and so again I, I appreciate bear- any of you who are listening I appreciate you bearing with me as, as I get my bearings on how to best per- you know portray these blogs in, a, in, in, in this podcast format and as and hopefully my, my skills as a verbal communicator will will uh, continue to develop as I go along. I thank you guys for tuning in and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.